time. Don't count that high. I don't have my shoes off. All right. So welcome back to another episode. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, let's jump right into this. Uh, as you notice, there's actually three Army veterans here today because we smuggled Nick out of his uh, his side gig Um you know, selling himself on the, well, you know what? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, the taking, NDA. I'm taking a break from my OnlyFans for a little bit so I can record. <laughs> I, I forgot about the NDA. I apologize. Please don't sue me and we'll just jump right into this episode. All right. Okay, so this is it. where we get to introduce you to Charlie McElvie, otherwise known as Spider Squirrel. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm great. How are you guys? Doing good. Uh, usual shenanigans. So, you know, all is well. I think they're sober this time. So it's good. I, I actually am. I can confess to that, but I don't know that I will be much longer. So it depends on how long we go. You know what? Looking <laughs> like a true comic creator. Take place in booths is my understanding. At least that's what my Catholic mother told me. <laughs> Comics take place where? No, confessions take place in, in booths. Ah, yes, they do. I think confessions take place in bottles, but that works fine. Either way. I mean, I, I think bottles bottle. are definitely attached somehow to that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Charlie, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers who might not know who you are? Sure. Uh, Charlie McKelvey. Um, I don't know what part matters the most to anybody, I guess, since you're talking about sci-fi and, and comic books and stuff like that. Uh, I wrote The Watchguard back in, hell, seven years ago, um, as well as The Watchguard Sourcebook, which uh, is an RPG supplement for Mutants and Masterminds. Uh, it was an Emmy-nominated and an Ogre-winning, uh, award-winning uh, supplement, which I was really proud of. It was my first supplement. Um, and uh, consequently, I've written dozens and dozens for uh, myself on RPG Now. Uh, I'm sorry, now it's Drive Through RPG. Um, and uh, there we are. So right now, I'm actually working on Spider Squirrel, which is uh, kind of an offshoot of Watch Guard and Team Force Five, and got a whole bunch of stuff out there. I'm also a dad of seven. You'll hear them stomping above my head here in a minute, and uh, husband of one, uh, as far as we both know. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I have no idea what I do when I get drunk. But uh, anyway. uh, I think the audience uh, knows the children may that may be what you have seven kids. Yes. Well, hey. So I guess we'll stop right there. Otherwise, we're going to go down into the R-rated territory. So that's me in a nutshell. Uh, I can hey, you were the, the first time. What's that? You were the. You wouldn't be the first time we went down R-rated territory. <laughs> Last time it was an Air Force pilot, so you know, in our defense, she started well, so probably trying to justify their job, but you know. <laughs> so so you were basically the living embodiment of that meme. Grandma and grandpa, what did you do before you had the internet? I don't know. Go ask your twelve brothers and sisters. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the second part of the introduction, dear listener and viewer, because we haven't forgotten you guys over on the YouTubes, is how we first found them. So I actually found him when we were on a podcast together on the BAMF podcast with uh, Mike Lafferty of Fainting Goat Games and Walt Robillard. I probably butchered his name, but he never says it right either, so I got that going for me. And Grandpa, uh, was, Grandpa a little Walt more Italian accent. You anyways. Grandpa Walt, is that what you call him? Ooh, yes, that's I'm what I call him. Grandpa Walt's just going to fuss at you anyways. Oh man, he goes now to me. He never goes to you. He goes to me and JR. That's why I said he's going to fuss at you, not me. I'll just get a, <laughs> I'll right. get a gift from Walt of him just shaking his head with a little caption. 
Yeah, they've actually yeah. made some gifts of him in the uh, Galaxy's Edge Discord. So uh, on, we we were on the uh, we were on the podcast together, and I'm like, this is my chance to upstage Ranger Nick, the comic book guy, by finding the comic book guest to show up first. He was not pleased with me, by the way. There might or might not be a hit team coming after me at this point. I am the hit team. <laughs> so Doc, how did you first how did you first find Charlie? Was it because I told you to show up? You said there's this guy named Spider Squirrel, and I went, that sounds fun. All right. Now, Nick, I, I understand you probably, because, you know, this is your Ballywick, you might have a different answer. So how did you first hear of or meet Charlie? I I just friended him not too long ago, but we travel in the same circles, and I've seen his name in a lot of the same groups that we belong to. Um, and I'm, I've been familiar with uh, Spider Squirrel since he started promoting it. And I was like, oh, man, that actually looks pretty cool. I gotta get on that. So, um, so there, yeah, that's that's how I know Charlie. All right, Charlie, this is the most important question you will be asked this entire interview, and there's no pressure, but you gotta get it right or we kick you off, okay? So, what is your religion? Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Oh, so, um, so I'm, I'm gonna give you, I'll, I'll fill the podcast, I'll give you my uh, life story answer. So, I started out watching Star Trek on CBS. But my earliest memory is actually Star Wars in 1977 in the theater. And I vaguely remembered it through mostly dreams that I had as a young kid because I was like two and a half when a movie came out. Uh, but my dad did take me to see Star Wars when it came out. Uh, my grandfathers, both my grandfathers and my dad were sci-fi guys. So, uh, I, you know, I kind of I'm not going to get into the argument of Star Trek versus Star Wars um, unless you ask a very specific question, like which one do you think is more entertaining for uh, the casual audience or shit like that. But uh, otherwise, I, I go both ways. So how about that? Actually, I swing three way because uh, I'll do Firefly all day, too. I'm kind of a whore that way. Yeah, you know, nothing wrong with being a sci-fi whore or a fantasy whore. <laughs> so, well, that's that's how we got you seven kids. So, you know, it happens. Uh, and because we're polytheistic here, Game of Thrones, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, or the Potterverse? Uh, well, considering I've only watched one episode of Game of Thrones ever, um, that one's out. Uh, Lord of the Rings is entertaining the first time through, but honestly, it's a sleep fest every time afterwards for me. Uh, so Potterverse. Okay. So you, you weren't as thrilled about like half the damn audience, but there you go. But so you didn't sound as thrilled about Potterverse. So if you had to pick an iconic fantasy franchise other than those three, what would you pick? Oh Jesus! Um, uh, I, I think I, the only reason I think I went down on Potterverse is because I, I felt like it was the last gasp. But I really enjoyed the heck out of it. Like my whole family, we watch we'll watch them all together, and and my teenagers watch with us, and it's actually I, really entertaining. Much. Much to my surprise, because I avoided Harry Potter for a while. I was like, ah, F this. That's some kid stuff. I don't care. Um, and then finally watched the movies and, and found myself wanting to watch the next one. So, Well, I mean, I guess I'm the weirdo, because I've never seen the Harry Potter movies or read the books. Have you seen Star Wars? I have. Cool. All right, cool. Harry Potter is Star Wars with shitty lightsabers. That's there a good description. There you go. <laughs> All right, Doc, the next question is yours. Save us from ourselves. Okay. Or from me. I mean. <laughs> no, you're good. Ourselves are much more dangerous. We're, we've been taught to be armed. Um, so which was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy? Uh, sci-fi. Yeah, definitely okay. sci-fi. But 
But, dude, the Rankin Bass Hobbit cartoon. Holy shit. That I wore that VHS out. My dad went and bought another one. I wore that one out. I could watch that, sing every freaking song. And, Greatest adventure. I mean, it was just like my thing. So, <laughs> so, so sci-fi was the first, for sure. But, yeah, I love fantasy, too. If you watch that Hobbit... Doc, hold on. If you watched that Hobbit cartoon, did you also watch The Last Unicorn that came out around the same time? I did. Oh, my God. Unicorn! Unicorn! Oh yes, that was me. I watched that over and over again, too, and I can't believe it. And I watched it recently, and I was like, yeah, why did I like this? But It did not hold up well as you as you got older and went back no. to it. Some do. That one did not. It's kind of no. like the Transformers cartoon movie. <laughs> Stop! I love Wait, those movies. Hold on. I still cry at Prime's death. Oh, oh yeah. When Prime dies. Yeah, but Everything in between was like you could I it was completely influenced by the eighties and MTV because it was just a rock video with action and then something emotional. <laughs> rock video with action. Like no. I couldn't even tell you how it if, ended. If you're gonna spoil twenty year old movies, you have to let me hit the spoiler button. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Probably I'm not. sorry. No, no, you don't have to, because I'm just gonna tell the fans right now. If you've not seen that and it's twenty years old, actually it's older than that, because it came out in nineteen eighty five. Ever I'm not sorry. I hope I spoiled it for you. And see me next week. Send all your hate mail, Jerry. All right, Doc has ever met Flynn Dilly. He will enter. Who wrote the screenplay for it? He will tell you he is the man who made a generation cry, and he tells you this with great pride and joy. Did you ask him how high he was when he wrote it? I did not. I'm just saying there was lots of nose candy involved in I that era. <laughs> All right, Doc. Next question is yours. Okay. What is your favorite thing about speculative fiction as a genre? My favorite thing about speculative fiction. I, well, I think my favorite thing is is you have a chance to do really whatever the hell you want, right? So, I mean, if you're going sci-fi specifically then the idea that you can explain things that are inexplicable right or or take the nonsense and make sense of it you know i love that about sci-fi and fantasy not not any differently it's just a different uh well to <laughs> to arrange your next point it's basically a lightsaber turned into a wand right so i mean you, you take the it's got the same benefits to it i think fantasy tends to border on more of the primal kind of uh more Shit, I, say, I hate saying earthy, but I mean, really, it feels kind of more down to earth uh, in, a, in a sense because magic explains anything, whereas sci-fi almost has to have a feel to it um, with respect to the technology and shit around you. So uh, I like them both for the same reason. I think it's just because you can do really whatever you want. And it makes sense for some reason. So disbelief kind of comes with the territory. So right. I got to ask. Why Spider Squirrel? I've heard you called that, as well as apparently it is your comic. So, like, what's the story? What's the sitch? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I don't think I'll ever get tired of telling the story because it's um, it's great because it really has everything and nothing to do about me. Um, the so shit, where to start? So about 2013, um, I uh, I was playing on our competitive flag football team, and we just won our second championship. We're all excited, and the quarterback comes to me and says, "Hey, dude, you want to go run a tough mutter?" And I was like, "What the hell is a tough mutter?" Um, he's like, "It's like this mud thing." I was like, "All right, let's go do it. Whatever." Um, Sounds dirty. I'm in. That's. I mean, that's how I am. I mean, like, I'm that guy. He's like, "Hey, you want to go do this? What is it? Sounds stupid. Let's do it." So, 
so we started doing that, and uh, our, ours got canceled. That doesn't really matter. What matters is I was like, I was hooked. I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to do this. And um, met up with a dude named uh, Johnny Hate Sales. John, um, army guy, love the dude. Uh, he was, became my personal trainer, and I ran like a shitload of Spartan races and Savage races and all these obstacle course races. Um, in fact, I ran over 100 events in one year, uh, just being because I was an idiot, and um, got a Men's Health magazine, and all this other stuff. It was a lot of fun, um, but. I wanted to train in the winter, and at the time, there was nothing in the winter. All the events ended in October. There was nothing from October to, or really November till April. So there was like this big off season, and I didn't want to lose my skills. I was like, "This is cool. I'm getting paid to run. I'm doing commercials. This is all fun. So I want to keep it going." And I found a parkour gym. Well, fast forward about a year and a half, I'm training in the gym, and there's these two 11 year olds, and they're like arguing while I'm bouncing around the studio and I was actually filming or I was um, sequencing what was going to be filmed for my first American Ninja Warrior submission video because I, I was determined to get on the show. And so I'm, I'm bouncing around, I'm doing all this stuff and, and they're arguing. I was like, I was listening to them and Alex, so they're both named Alex. So I'll refer to them by their last names. Um, actually, I don't know if their parents will approve of that. So let me do this this way. Alex one goes, look at him. He like he's bouncing around the place like a like a squirrel, just not as annoying. Little does he know. <laughs> and, and Alex too goes, no, look at his long arms and legs and stuff. He, he looks like a spider. Look at him climb. Look, look, he's oh, look at that. It looks like a spider. Kind of creepy. And they kept arguing for like I don't know how long. And I, I climbed down as a guy. I got the answer. I'll just be the spider squirrel. And it just flew out of my mouth. And the very next week, I had somebody print up sweatpants with the logo that I made up real fast on the fly and it just it, it was me it became my persona for Ninja Warrior which uh for season 10 um they loved it that was like they were they were like let's play this up this is comic books and cool uh and it just stuck and throughout the period I, th I said I should really make this a comic book and fast forward to today we're on Kickstarter so there you go <laughs> that's how it's done that's how There's it's done, done. By the way, oh. Alex too is now my sixteen-year-old uh, daughter's boyfriend. So, oh wow. Okay. So, do you need help writing bodies? Asking for a friend. No, you know I've got, I've got a pretty big backyard, and I've got <laughs> and some shovels. I can get through this Virginia clay pretty easy. <laughs> Strong acids. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of lime. It might, you know, I mean. That's a weak acid. It is. So, uh, it's a base, you know. I got friends Anything with Anything worth doing Rangers. is worth overdoing. So I agree. Rangers, Nick's got friends that can reach you and hug people from a distance. So I'm just oh, saying, come on, don't put that out there. I'm have, the FBI already looks at me. That's, <laughs> We're talking about hugs here. What would the FBI think was wrong? Those weird things on OnlyFans, they would stop looking at you. <laughs> this is also true. Okay, what I do on my off time with the feet picks? <laughs> Do not judge. A boy's got to eat. <laughs> on script. On script, my dear. All right. I, I was trying to. You guys keep throwing these curveballs at me, and I just go out of the park. Out of the park. <laughs> and now for... Shush. And now for the Blood Force segue, um, you're a comic book creator, which is awesome. We need more of those. Um, how did your love of the sci-fi and fantasy genre transition into you writing um, comic books about it. Because let's face it, comics are stories in action that you can see and are 
less boring. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, I think it goes back to the question really like about speculative fiction, because, you know, comics, you I mean, literally can do anything because it's two dimensional, it's paper, it's you write it, somebody draws it. And unless it requires some kind of animation for some reason, which I don't I think the good artist can animate anything with still panels uh, in a book, I, you can do whatever you want, right? right? So, yeah, I mean, so really the freedom I, I, is my favorite part is there's nothing that says this is the right book because it's all about the right book for the right person, you know? Um, people are going to read Spider Squirrel, they're going to hate it. You know, they're gonna, people are going to read it, going to freaking love it. They're going to people are gonna read it, going to be lukewarm on it. I don't care. I mean, what matters is to me the most is that I get the story out that I want to tell and someone somewhere enjoyed it. So exactly. um, that's what I love about it. It's the same with any fiction, right? With any fiction. So, yeah, absolutely. You're you're 100 correct. Um, you have a story to tell and you put it out there, which a lot of people don't even do that. So no. it's like how you can hate from outside the club. Can't even no, get in. They put it out there, just not always in the right format. That's true too. That, that's true because I've read a lot of novels that should have been comic books, and I've read a lot of comic books that should have been novels. You know. Um, so that's a good. Happened. Good segue real quick. So what makes the distinction for you there, Nick, of something that should be a novel versus a comic and vice versa? Okay, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Writers in the comic book medium have the hardest job, hands down, of any type of fiction writer. Okay, you have not a whole lot of space, so you can't use pillowy words, fluffy words to describe the scene. That's heavily relied upon the artist. So you have to get your point across with dialogue and very little of it. So I think being a comic book writer is probably harder than being, and JR is going to get hate mail for this because we always said it his way, than a no, someone who writes novels. Um, but there's things that are just are so grandiose as far as their idea. And unfortunately, they're probably already kind of pigeonholed themselves into a graphic novel or they've pigeonholed themselves into um, actually writing a novel. So it's... It's weird. There's there's a lot of things that could tip that scale, whether it should have been a graphic novel or a comic book or it should have just been a straight novel. So I don't know if I'm making any sense yet. No, I, I actually so I think I, I, I I'm pretty sure I agree with you 100 percent there, Nick. I mean, uh, you know, when you look at a comic, it's finite, right? I mean, you've got how many pages do you get? Well, it depends. You know, if you're 22 to 68 to right. 100, something, you know, depending on, you know, graphic novel. Yeah. And budget too. Budget's huge. Yeah. It's not, it's not cheap to do. So, um, so it's finite. Uh, you can only do so much in a single panel. So then you've got, but then a page only holds so many panels and a panel only holds so many balloons. And you, you've just got to, you, you've got to think it and visualize it through. And I think I don't want to knock any other kind of writing at all. And I don't think you are either, but, um, it is difficult because I know when I write a comic, I have to think about how the hell is this going to look? And I only see what I see. I have no idea what the artist is actually going to draw because I'm not going to sit there and say, okay, you've got to do exactly this. Here's a sketch. Here's a you know thumbnail. I'll draw this exact thing. Right. Uh, your, right? That's, you can't do that because then there's no um, collaboration, which is really what the medium is all about. So uh, it's also a collaborative medium. I only own one comic and it's an, the on Basilisk station honor harrington comic great so now i gotta send you a bunch of my stuff from Apple. <laughs> so i i have the ember wars graphic novel that i, I backed the kickstarter just because i wanted to see the art oh no, um, no 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 i do have one eventually that will come i backed the um 
Black Tide Rising comic. Ooh. But I don't know how to read comics. Left to right. Uh, left to right. Bottom. Not the bottom. Okay. Kind of like reading a book, but sexier. Oh, I take that back. I own a second one. I own White Donkey, the Terminal Lance comic book. That actually sounds good for me. It was written by veterans, and I supported it. Look at Nick. Nick's having an aneurysm, guys, on screen. Yeah. I was, I was supposed to draw that book. Oh. Were you really? Yeah, I got beat up by somebody who was cheaper. I haven't read it. I it happens. Time, but I, did I buy bought it, it myself. It's a good it, It's a good book. but I don't know. A little bittersweet. I'm like, I'm laughing and crying at the same time at some of the stuff. I'm like, I would have drawn that. And it told me the way. It's okay. You need a moment? Tell me a new comic. No, I got whiskey. We're good. Oh. <laughs> All right. That's always my answer to Nick. Go draw me a comic. All right. Number 11 is next. Let's get us back on track. That's We're never job. on track. This, you're, you're the pepper pots to our Tony Stark. And, and you're talking to a small, for God's sakes. I mean, come on. Yeah. And I have a very the, short attention span. No, so. And the funny thing is, he's the brain damaged one. <laughs> me or him? Me. No, him. Me. I got 27 concussions from IEDs when I was in Iraq. Oh, Jesus. Oh, quit bragging, okay? And he's the one who keeps the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, I've got all this brain damage, IEDs. but I'm the smartest dude in the room. I got it. So other than the IEDs, though, Nick, I did have a blast, so it's okay. We're not bragging. <laughs> we'll swap more stories offset. You jackass. <laughs> uh, all right. Number 11. Let's get back on okay. track. We got this. Yeah, I was trying to go naturally, but now it feels forced. I don't want to be Don't forced. make me crack the do anyway. one uh, Don't threaten me with a good time. Anyway, number 11. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So many creative types. You, me, these two. Um, uh, we... We let our own real life experiences uh, influence the stories that we tell. So, were there any specific formidable moments that really shaped you as a storyteller and comic creator? Uh, yeah, really. I, <laughs> so shitty and trite, but life. I mean, I, I, I've tried to draw from, uh, I, I've joked in other um, interview sessions that, uh, that, um, it's this book is uh, you know kind of pseudo or quasi autobiographical in, in a lot of ways. I take little moments from my life and throw it in there. I think the biggest thing for me um, is that you know my my parents introduced me to sci-fi, encouraged me to sci-fi down the sci-fi path as a kid. Um, you know, and I watch cartoons. I think all that stuff shaped me to some extent. But um, I, I really, if I look at Spider Squirrel specifically, for example. Like that's a culmination of my love and passion for cartoons and sci-fi, uh, just silly shenanigans and stuff that's just off the wall. Uh, comic books is a love letter to comics too. Um, but then the the physical nature of the character, you know, my my the last you know fifteen years of my life or so has been dedicated to all kinds of sports and athletics and and things. Um, you know, so that it's just. There's no one answer to that, I guess. So I, I guess I get a drone on about you know how my life kind of all plays into this. There's even some ex-girlfriends in the book, for God's sakes. Oh wow! Um, and they know about it. It's fun. Um, you know, it's, it's just even uh, funnier if they didn't know about it. Well, yeah, but you know, they, we're still friends, so it's like, yeah, because oh, I was that I was a nice jerk. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, 
there's just a little bit of everything. And, and you know, uh, I don't like pineapple on pizza. So pineapple on pizza is always a, a shenanigan going on in the background somewhere. Me, pineapple goes on pizza, Jr. Wait, where's only, the kick? Only with jalapenos. Only with jalapenos. That's the only combination. I love, where... I love pizza. The two, the neither of the twins show me. No. All right, We're, he stays. You both leave. However, I don't want right, to know what you're doing. Then Doc and Doc, Nick, <laughs> I I did. We did pass a goal on my Kickstarter, and um, we had 200 backers, and now I have to consume on live stream and recorded uh, a a piece of <laughs> pineapple pizza that is larger than my skull. So, oh wow. So, uh, so let me know when that here. happens. I'll order one. I'll eat it with you. You shouldn't do this alone. All right, thank you, brother. I appreciate the support. He likes. I couldn't go live, but I'm gonna put the jalapenos online because that's the only cut. That's the only way I you can have pineapple pizza. I might yeah. ask. So my my local pizzeria, they're all behind it. So I think uh, I'll ask uh, the guys over at Benny's to put some uh, diced ham and uh, and some jalapenos in there. They'll help me out a little bit. You need you need the the salt content to match the sweet with the pineapple. Like okay, it. the first time I had mushrooms, I, I had pineapple on pizza. I had mushrooms and onions with it. You live in the land of the Mellow Mushroom Pizzeria. I know. It's amazing. I, I love that place, but I digress. I, there's one less than a mile from my house. Come visit. Okay. I'm, I don't know where, yeah, I don't know where Nick's at, but uh, I'm closer, I think. And I'll you be are. You're we just got one opened up here downtown, and like you know, it's four miles from my house, dude. I live in the Whale's vagina, San Diego. Yeah, I never there was a family-friendly rating. Way to go! It's a movie reference. <laughs> you know what? It is an anatomically correct term. Yeah, it's not like I said the c word or the p word. All right, Doc. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so getting a call from Walt now. Back to the podcast at hand. This has always been a format of four geeks hanging out, talking shop. When you show up. Uh, otherwise, it's just three. So I haven't watched those episodes because I'm not in them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were pure radio gold, I swear. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, transitioning back to the topic at hand. Have you had anybody ask you away from like a convention or a signing? Do they do book signing for comic artists? They do. Yes, they do. Okay. I don't know. That's why uh, you're just as important as novel yeah. writers. Uh, you are just as important. With a tougher job, Nick said. But I don't. Right. You know what? That's because Nick's self-aggrandizing. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know any of them that came out in public. I don't see them at Dragon Con. Um because you don't go to the fourth floor where they hide us. Yeah, they hide you on the fourth floor. Ah. Just come to Dragon Con, reach out, talk to the track directors, get on paneling, and then you can leave the fourth floor. <laughs> oh, she's like, if you're a good boy, we'll let you out of the dungeon. Thanks, Joe Biden. You know what? It has a view. <laughs> I'm not sure what. Can I, can I celebrate Fourth of July, even though I haven't been vaccinated yet? Or is that Dude, let's was, move on. Let's move on. Anyway. All right, Doc. Anyways, he's gonna get us have you had anyone do any cool fan art or a cosplay of one of your characters? There we go. Or anybody ask you for your autograph out in the wild? Yes. 
Uh, no, no cosplay yet. Although I'd be totally honored. Um, that's awesome. Uh, in fact, somebody asked me recently, are we going to have Spanish world masks available as like a Kickstarter reward? And I was like, well, shit, no, but, um, uh, I know a guy I can hook you up. I'll get you in contact. Actually, I might, I might ping you about that. Um, so yes, my first, my first ever con with my watch guard stuff was uh, 2005 heroes con. Actually, somebody came up and the first person was like, they bought a book from me and I was like, sweet. And they looked at me and they, they kind of stood there like this. And I was like, what? I'm, I'm not going to tip you. Right. And I'm like, you know, and I realized, oh, shoot, I got to sign it. So I, I signed the book. Um, that and that was that was awkward. But after that, I kind of expected it. So I just now I'm just like pencil whipping my signature on every single one that goes out the door, whether people wanted it or not. Um, but uh, and then Ninja Warrior was one that got me like the first kid. They said, hey, will you sign my shirt? And I was like, really? Why? And so it, that that was like that was that was weird to me, but I realized that you know people look up to different people for different things, and we have values to different things. And I think the signature thing is really I like it. I think it's really cool. It's still weird and humbling to me, uh, honestly. I act like an egomaniac, like Nick, but uh, I'm not always. I, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, no. I mean, I would have to have feelings to be offended. No, no but you're absolutely right. But uh, yeah, so you know, it's, it's still kind of weird to ask for, but I, I, I'm, I'm grateful. So, you know, I appreciate that. But no, no cosplay, and I'm actually looking forward to that. If you guys are watching, I'll give you the designs. You can cosplay all day. I was, I was looking at the the suits design, like because little known fact about Nick, I am a. You I sew. Well, besides that, I sew. I've sewn a lot of my own costumes, my own cosplays. Fancy. That's awesome, dude. Dude, so, that's awesome. My problem looking at the suit was everything from the wrist up into the shoulders. That that scaly look. So I might just send it to Gunhead Designs, who are just famous for making their uh, Spider-Man suits. And I'm like, put this texture on there and uh, give me about six months to do a lot of setups. And then... Uh, uh, the mask, I'll, I can craft that. But I, I, give me give me about a year. I'll ha I'll have a cosplay for you. <laughs> and, and and if you're if you're a really good boy, he might even debut it on his OnlyFans. Well, I, might, I might pay for that one, there, Nick. I, I'm just saying it's free because uh, it's all about the art for me. He's cheap. Oh, <laughs> uh, you gotta pay extra for the fees, though. You, you do gotta pay extra for the fee. <laughs> See, I no, they, they, people think I'm joking. No, I do have an OnlyFans. It's when I thought it was like Patreon. So I jump on there. I create an account. I throw a bunch of artwork on there. And then I realize that it is a very naughty place. Yeah. Well, so I stuck around can... longer. <laughs> found some cosplayers that I was like, hmm. And next thing you know, 10 bucks a pop. And you get to see all kinds of stuff. They will show you the world. Hey, and, now, and now we're gonna get sued by Disney. You're welcome. Uh, so, so in your defense, when it started, it did briefly have a moment where people were talking about it was a creator's platform, much like Patreon. And then it, Patreon it was too because the, there was there's people like John Legend on there. You know, there yeah. was like singers on there. I'm like, oh, okay, so this is like Patreon. And then just like Twitter or. Instagram, you start heading doors and heading towards oh, another path, and you're like, "How did I get here?" And I need an adult. 
Uh, all right. So it was all pure and innocent. So in his defense, dear listeners, it did start as a Patreon ask, but once the Patreon, it, it really the did, content, and then it, and then it turned into every. It's what you know. It is trying today. to feed their family. Yep. But uh, so, right, this is where we talk about everything that the Spider Squirrel Charlie McElvey has created. So, sir, could you please give us the highlights reel of what you're known for? Uh, yeah. So, actually, I'm known for this Watchguard Sword. Um, hold on, hold on. Give me a second. I will make you the solo layout. And after you hold it up, everybody can see it. There you go. It's glorious. That's so pretty. Digitally, and it's available on Amazon. Um, this was my first publication, and it's it's 156 something pages. Um, it's even we even have our own we even have, have our own city map. Um, it's cool. I like that Google Map style. Uh, that was the birthplace, uh, or the really the yeah that was the, the I guess the first sibling of, of Spider Squirrel. So the Watchguard came out, and um, that was a thing where I couldn't figure out who I was at the time. And so I actually wrote myself in all these different characters. Um, and so that's how I ended up with 40 plus characters. So I'm a little schizoid, but, uh, is that the right phrase anymore? I don't even know. Um, and so that was the start of it. And we'll I will allow it. Yeah. Well, you know, or somebody will ban me. Um, but, yeah, uh, no, it ain't gonna like, be me, brother. <laughs> I want to have beers with you. Let's do it. Bourbon. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that was the birth of it all for me. And then fast forward to today, I realized, you know, what, who, where, why, how, when, whatever I am. So that's where spider Squirrel came from. So those are the things I'm most known for. Um, you know, you'll find me on YouTube doing commercials and other silly stuff, but that kind of, the things that matter the most to me personally, my, my children and my literal children and watch guard, spider squirrel, those guys, anything beyond that. So that's what I'm known for. Um, I do. So, go, ahead. go ahead. No, I was gonna say I do actually publish uh, other people's stuff too. If they're if they're interested, like um, on Drive Through RPG, I publish stuff for uh, Sketch Butchino. Um, he does a lot of his RPG stuff for um, uh, Mutants and Masterminds. So I publish his his uh, works for him because it's easier to go through an existing audience and stuff like that. So oh, absolutely. That's cool. So you heard it here first. The, his contact will be in the show notes. And then if you want to reach out, you could pick his brain and publish with his publishing company. And, you know, you could give us a nod of thanks when you make it rich and famous. And when you're a pat, uh, you can say you're Padawan to Spider Squirrel. That's right. There you so, go. I, are, do I have to grow the ponytail and the braid? Nah. Yes. <sighs> no, you have to grow a tail, though. I mean, I'm going to. No, Nick, Nick, stop. <laughs> all right so so we're just saying to... amazon's got some very interesting plugs right, for that item a... no jr's like wait pull it together we got this no, all right so the topic of comics so what's the difference because no, they make comic about... ones too <laughs> okay so we've talked about comics so what's the difference between because uh my son likes to read manga and i always call it comics and he gets mad oh, at me so what's the difference between manga i comics, would not at youtube and, and graphic novels like like educate someone who grew up reading the words not the pictures yeah so it's funny i just saw this debate so like ever online I, i'll say this to me Comics is a is a is a, a frame, right? It's a it's a it's a framework. So what is comics? Comics is sequential art with words written in balloons, typically. Not always. Um, words are you know balloons. Are with word and captions, yeah. 
exactly. So that's comics. So by that definition, manga is comics. Now, manga is not comic books in the sense that we typically think of graphic novels and traditional comics. Why? Because there is there's aesthetics to manga that are extremely unique to manga. It's its own subgenre. And I, I would not put the two in the same category. I put them in the same store. I'd put them in the same general presence of each other. I'd put them on the same bookshelf even. I, in fact, hell, I do. Um, but, you know, I, and I want to argue over it. You know, someone says, manga's not comics. I'm like, fine, whatever. I don't care that much. Right? It's just, they're, they're, but they are the same thing. They're both a visual medium that is told with the same basic elements. Outside of I that, the, it's style. Yeah, the, yeah, stylistic. That, that's the only difference between them. Is just, it's a stylistic difference. Is there Mine any light difference? Tell me that they're all novels. Who? What? My spawn just tries to tell me they're all novels, so it counts as reading time. Well, it does count as wrong. Time. He's out of line, but he's right. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. On your left. So. On your left. So. Is there any difference in length between all the three, or is that that not uh, a judging factor? No, I don't think that's a judging factor at all. I mean, comics, we already talked about it earlier. Comics can be, you know, uh, 20 pages, 22, 24, whatever, 96. Um, I I think the biggest difference was the finished product. Like, graphic novels, when I've gotten them, typically they're, like, bound almost like a book, sometimes even hard-covered. Oh, wait, wait till we start talking about the difference between graphic novels and trade paperbacks. Oh, yes. Trade, I know what trade paperbacks are. There's no pictures in them. All right, we can't all talk at once, children. This is why I'm the sober one. Damn it, I'm the guest. Shut up. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's out of line, but he's right. We can keep him. Um, No, I I do have an opinion on that. So, uh, to me, graphic novel and uh, trade paperback, the only difference in, in the two should be that the graphic novel is a singular story told from uh, told in completion. Like there should be no trail off. I mean, you can always do the dot, dot, dot for sure. And elements, but I don't think the story, I think the story should be done. Frame that sucker up and be done. Trade paperback to me is a story arc collected together for consumption. That's my opinion. That's why I tend to stick with the phrase original graphic novel or OGN, because then I'm, I'm being really clear. It's never been published in other sections before. You, it's not a series of books that can uh, you know, uh, be bought separately. It was only available in this format. Um, Steve Conley's book, um, was it Gloop? Uh, I always forget the name of that thing. I've read it, but I, it's on my shelf even. Uh, or uh, Molly, uh, Molly Danger from uh, Jamal. Um, that would be an OGN. That would be a graphic novel to me. But, okay. okay. So but, this is... The Fantastic Four by Ringo and uh, and Mark Wade. That would be it's a it's a hardcover collection, but it's a trade. It's a it's a collection of books. So that's the difference. Okay. So normally we have shenanigans. Ed Brubaker's Captain America: Winter Soldier in a in a hardcover, which I have, compared to Thirty Days of Night, which is a graphic novel. It's one complete story. Saskia, this is where we smile and nod. But so sometimes I pat you on the head and say, "Good little hosts." I will bite you. So she's actually right. taller than us. So, but uh, so normally we have some shenanigans going on the side short. of our street. Hush, Nick. Normally Stop we have some. Oh, shen- you're my favorite hobbit. <laughs> normally we keep the shenanigans that are on the side to ourselves, but this was too funny. So as we're talking, and Charlie says, "Hush, I'm the guest. I get to speak." Seska puts in the side. Someone get him a DD two four three so we can keep him. 
so have you any interest in of sergeant? Do you, do you have any interest in temporarily joining the Virginia militia so we can call you a veteran and keep you? <laughs> uh, pretty sure Maybe. they're on an FBI watch list. I don't know, dude. I've had, I've eaten the food. I don't think so. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, wise man. Wise so man. Virginia. So Virginia has an official. Nick, Virginia has an official state militia that's separate from what you're thinking about. They're not on oh. the watch list. They're just a bunch of good boys who show up at the like fair and, and stand in bad uniforms and stuff. And now I'm going to get hate mail. I, I live in the. Uh, I, I live near the. Uh, so I call Virginia the bastard child of the Civil War because you know you go below. You go to North Carolina and South, and everyone says, "Oh, you damn Yankees!" And you go above, like Maryland and above, and they're like, "Oh, you bunch of Southerners." So no yes. one wants to claim Virginia. I live in the bastard child of the bastard child. So. The, the defining city of the war and, or one of the major defining cities of the war is right here in my backyard. And uh, I, I just, nobody, Southern Central North Virginia says, or Northern Virginia is like, you guys are South and Richmond people are like, you guys are Northerners and nobody wants us either. So that's my life and I'm sticking to it. So I don't care. There well, yeah, we actually have a, a legal militia. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to talking about comics before we get more hate mail from Walt because he's going to be like, look, I can't do this. So uh, we'll, we're gonna... I don't know what you're talking about. Walt never says anything bad. Well, you know, I can't answer that without uh, losing our family-friendly rating again. So oh, now wait, let's talk wait, about... Wait we go back into the green room, Cisco. I'm going to explain it all to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now let's talk about your specific comics, Charlie, instead of more broadly about the, the wide world of comics. So what makes your comics, the Spider Squirrel, the Charlie McElvey, what makes them special? you're never going to find spider squirrel anywhere else. So first off, I mean, the, the absurdity of the book, I think is, it, it's not that it hasn't been done before. You know, it's very blue beetle booster goldish. Uh, the difference I think is that, that, you know, I tell it from my heart. And so if you give a damn about me, then, uh, you know, there's one reason, but uh, more than that, I think it's, uh, there's no agenda in the book. You know, I know people get, you know, spun up whether it should or shouldn't have an agenda. I, I don't care. I think some books should and some books shouldn't, but, uh, but I'm a fan, so I'm going to read what I want to read. If you like a book that just is unashamedly a comic book, there's there's your answer. There's that's my book. It, it, there's no I don't like I don't spend the first ten pages of the book going. By the way, here's how Spider Squirrel was born. He was bit by a radioactive spider. Not true, by the way. That's not how he. Was born. But you know, I, we just forget the origin. We're just going to jump right in. You know, and frankly, we jump right into his life as a as a. University of Richmond college kid who just got dumped by his girlfriend. He's excited about it. Now he wants to date other chicks. I mean, that's just, we're just going to jump right in and have fun. And then next thing you know, crap happens and you got time traveling people everywhere and you don't know where Spider Squirrel's at, but now you got to fight people and you don't have your lead character. He's off somewhere else. And that's comics, right? So that's why. So would you say then that, that your style is an homage to the classic? <laughs> Before yeah, it was all about message fic, and it was just a fun. And like I said, I'm not judging it. I read some of that too, but no. more like uh, a pulp era almost. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, Sean Sean Isaacs uh, from who, who's the artist on Fantastic Four? Yeah, I just name dropped. Um, he uh, he 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 read it and he said this this is fun. This is like. If you like the classic '90s fun, like entertaining books, this book is for you, kind of thing. So uh, he tweeted it. You can go ver validate that. But um, that was to me what I was going for. Is I just wanted to. Ha I, now I don't want it to feel like such a throwback that it's like, wow, this book feels old. But 
Um, but I didn't want to have that same entertainment factor. Um, so, and Doc, Doc's losing it. What? No, I'm not. I'm just looking at the. Uh, I was looking and I was trying to find out where I put my water bottle or my grape <laughs> or my grape juice. And this is her her air quotes for water bottle. No, there water. is a water bottle. It's grape juice. Nick, before we have to do an intervention, I'll let you ask the next question. <laughs> now, uh, listening to how you um, are starting your story, do you think that is a, uh, as I was interrupted by a pack of retarded wolves? At least it wasn't us this time. Oh, well, thank God. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so... Hey. Because I, I, I like that way of storytelling of not having to give the, the whole first 10 pages to a backstory. You know, you just jump right into the action. Do you think that is going to be a more common trope amongst, um, and I don't use trope as like a negative yeah. epithet or anything like that. But, um, but do you think that's going to be something that we're going to see more um, apparent in Indie creators, do you think that that's probably something that's more specific to creators our age that grew up with the the image comic scene at its foundation? Yeah, I, I think I don't think there's an easy answer for that. My my opinion is is that it's always going to depend on on the goal of the writer. So, you know, when I wrote this character, I, I intentionally just didn't want to give his backstory. I mean, it's easy enough, right? So I didn't want to give his backstory and just sit here and tell his, you know, oh, here, you know, he's a college kid and blah, blah, blah. And he's dating this chick for Oakland and she just dumped him. And you, you get all that through the interactions. And his, right. his backstory really doesn't matter um, as far as, you know, him as a hero. But, but there are characters in the indie comics that from people, you know, our age that are written that do tell the origin story because it's it's inherent to the character. Here's the difference, and I think I just nailed it. For me, his backstory makes no difference in the kind kind of he, uh, hero he is. It, it none at all, no bearing. It's like it's Peter yeah. Parker, right? You got the uh, great responsibility quote. You got Uncle Ben, Aunt May interactions. You got all of these. He's a college kid. He was kind of bullied. All of that plays into Spider Man. Oh, and he's super smart and all. That matters. So you don't get Spider-Man without that. Right. But none of that matters for Spider-Squirrel. Like, how he got his powers, it doesn't, it makes no bearing on who he is. He just is. And that's kind of what I get at. Same with Trash Panda. Um, <laughs> I love that name. Everybody's that name. Oh, that was a, that was a drunken uh, epiphany. No, um, that was we, we call we class it up around here, and we call that the Hemingway approach. The Hemingway approach. I, I'm glad yeah. to know that I am actually a classical author. Like there you go. Yeah, exactly. Because I've said that on the show multiple times when creators are like, "Oh, well, I was drunk when I wrote that." I'm like, "No, no, no. It's the Hemingway approach because yeah. he was a a well known fan of things that altered mind states, mostly alcohol." <laughs> Is that, and that's different than the Chuck Cannon approach, which is just sit down and write, even if it makes no sense, and then edit it later. <laughs> or most Hollywood executives where they do a line of coke, and they're like, all right. And then they have like a Mad Lib sheet, and they're like, all right, give me this. All right, and then this, and I need an actor, and I need this traumatic event. All right, here we go. And then we're going to make a lot of money. you know. And then you give it to Ryan Johnson. All right. 
Ruin Johnson. <laughs> well, whatever his that's name a is. Show, that's a show. No, that's what I call him because he ruins. Oh, ruins. Oh. Ruin Star Wars. I hope you're listening too, Ruin. He's not. Be sure to send all the hate mail to J.R. Hanley at blastersandbladespodcast.com. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So why don't we move on before yeah. I get more hate mail and ask him a little bit. J.R. All right. We so before we ever got in hate mail, actual hate mail from one episode, you're good. Yeah, we're we're, we're, we're doing pretty good as a podcast. Oh, oh, come on, we got to do mean tweets. Read it. I want to read it. Oh, that was under the last iteration, and I didn't keep it. I didn't know it was going to oh, be. It was going to tickle her fancy so much. Oh, we should totally do mean tweets. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Right. We don't have well, any know. mean tweets about us. It's great. We are awesome, and we are lovable. Or people are just afraid of me. That's also possible. <laughs> So, so Nick, let's let's we got this. We got All this. Right. Come on, back I on do. track, dude. I am not an infant. Ch- okay, I retract that part. I am an infant <laughs> child in an adult body. But anyway, before we get into a more broad ranging Q and A, asshole, um, about the wild world of gaming, I have to ask the low hanging fruit: Has technology changed what readers of comics expect of their material, or maybe how quickly they should appear? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Well, okay. I do think, depending on what age category we're talking about, and I hate to talk about ages in certain ways and sound like an old man, but I mean, like, you know, the, the Fortniteers. <laughs> I think the Fortnite group, and I know that age group is pretty much the same as like ours down to my Oh, I have an 11 year old kid that's playing that freaking game right now in the next room. Exactly. Bonkers. But there are guys playing <laughs> this game too. So I mean, it's the same. It's the same, like you know, uh, fan base. I think. But I. So I say that knowing that. I, I think that there's an expectation though that has changed on what we get in books. I don't think that the rapidity of the books coming out has changed, um, or is being forced to change because of this. Um, in fact, I think people are in for the longer haul. If anything, I think Image, for example, has given people, given us the the clemency to be tardy on books that we oh, didn't have yeah. 20 years ago right or 30 years ago where the hell when was the 90s i don't know get off my lawn um oh my god it was 30 years ago I, hey i know my wife don't you I, lie I, you shut your lying mouth my, i didn't realize I until, well, like, until charlie jumped on here i am the oldest man in this group and i think i might have yeah you're too. the shortest not by much you were born in 75 charlie yeah, uh, 78. So he's got three years oh, on yeah, it. But still, generationally, <laughs> still Gen X, which is the coolest generation. Changed my mind. Anyway, back on track. Comics, comics, comics. We're talking about comics. Everything's interconnected, man. It's like, oh, wait. So, so we were talking about, I, I will finish that thought, though. So, you know, I think, I do think that we are given the freedom now to actually be a little, little tardy on books. We put things out on a pace that matters. As long as we keep our fans connected, and that's what battle passes and stuff like Fortnite have done is it's the same damn game. Yeah. It's just we got some new content. So as long as they they can get the life out of what we've produced and then we provide enough new content within a reasonable span of time, we will keep our fans. And in fact, we'll grow them, I think. I, just to piggyback on that, I think a lot of it is we get that leeway because there's quality being produced. So um giving credit to the fans of the indie scene that give us that leeway of being anywhere from six months to a year late in producing a new book is that we're producing a better quality over quantity. 
So we're not just hammering them month after well, month with shit, I, I think shoddy, myself, shoddy storytelling and subpar artwork just because they're trying to meet a deadline. We're, we're more focused on presenting the best product possible for our our consumer, our fans, our our readership. And wow. now Cisco is going to berate me on air. Well, I was going to say, I think one of them, one of the things is it is more obviously difficult to draw than to write. Cause I hear people who will go, Oh, well I could write well, that instead of this time frame. And I'm like, yeah, you could write something, but is it worth actually reading? And everybody knows drawing is more obviously a challenge. I think there's more. I think there's more mystique to comics and the creation process than there is to writing. One hundred and thirty-eight man hours to produce one comic book. Yeah, it's, See? it's laborious. I'm. I, I no. I'm. I'm just saying. I think that from an outside perspective, I think you guys get more leeway in some ways on some of it because everybody wants to try and be. Everybody thinks they're Hemingway somewhere inside them. Oh, the funniest thing is to find a writer that thinks the easier way is to write for comics. That's the funniest thing I, I, I've heard throughout my career in the comic book industry. It's like, well, I was going to write a novel, like, but I figured I comics would be easier. Who? Yeah, yeah, send them to me. I'll, I will give them a master class on how they are wrong. <laughs> All right, so uh, I guess it, it, it is a, it's, a, it's a very tough medium, and Charlie can attest to this. It's a yeah. tough medium to work in. I, I mean, well, my first couple of comic books, I was okay. writing it, and I'm as the artist, I'd much rather draw it than write it. Okay, but having said that, what that subgenres or genres do you think translate better to the comic medium? Oh. That's a that's a tough that is a really tricky sword to balance on. Oh yeah, uh, I want to hear Charlie's yeah. answer. I'm excited from the writer's standpoint. I, I, I read I read the I have the hardcover collection of Android the Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. I've got that. Uh, it's it's a, almost like verbatim transliteration um, onto onto comic book format. It's fantastic. Uh, so there's that. I've read the Dritz Orban series, um, which is a Dungeons and Dragons based series. Um, I've read Hobbit. Lord of the Rings comic books, not always great, but whatever. Then there's Star Wars. I don't know that there's a genre that doesn't work in comics. I mean, there's every, right? Because you think about uh, Sin City. So Sin City is, <laughs> Sin City is, damn you. Um, it I mean, could have worked as a trashy noir novel. Exactly. Exactly. It was noir. It could have been wait, a wait, wait, radio wait. show. I thought Sin City was noir. It is. No, it, it absolutely is. But okay. just like there's noir in, in novelization, there's noir in comic books too. Look at the spirit. Spirit is classic noir. Absolutely. You know, um, that's, and you've heard me say this on multiple podcasts. I love noir. I'm a huge fan of it. Don't come at me because I will destroy you. I love it. I love it as a genre in novelization. And I love it in comics. Sin City is a perfect example. I'm glad Charlie brought it up. I watched that movie. Both of them. Oh, did she just say that? Uh, yeah. What, is that a bad thing? Well, I mean, we got to be proud of her. I didn't know there were two. She doesn't really cross over into our side of the geekdom I, I, realm, you know. And we're just, over here with. Reminding me of those fans who are like, you know, you start nerding out over your favorite book, and they go, "Oh my god, I saw that movie!" And you're like, "No, shut up." Well, I'm <laughs> like, 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 I understood that reference. I understood that that was not the same thing. 
No, you're on track. You're going to be a comic book reader within six months. No. Yeah, I blow people's mind when I tell them I like the uh, Starship Trooper movies better than the book. <laughs> well, I get my politics from the book, but I get my entertainment from the movies, especially Marauders. That is just horribly awful. Oh, it is. So, but so entertaining at the same time. What makes something compatible or ideal for translation into the I pictorial comic book space i think just the for me my opinion yeah. is that it's just uh what makes it viable uh a fan base i mean if there is if you think that your fans are beyond just a novel for example okay i would not i, I love to kill a mockingbird it's one of my favorite books it's my wife's absolute favorite books uh favorite book of all time she loves it there's no freaking way i could ever read that as a comic book like it just, I don't know. I, you know, I, it I, I you right out of it. It's it just so weird, right? Now yeah. I saw, I saw it on Broadway. It was really good on Broadway. That you know, I, I just don't think it. I don't think it translates. So I don't know that there's a real good answer to that, Doc. Except for, will the fans believe the existing fans believe that this is suitable in this genre, this format? Sorry, I said genre. I meant format. That, that's to me what it comes right. down to. Medium right? would have been acceptable. Also, Thank you. No, you're, you're absolutely right. There are comic books can achieve a lot of things, but there's some things that just should not be transitioned into the comic book medium. Yeah. And, and the flip side of that, there is one translated sci-fi, and I won't name names because we keep it positive here. Where I bought the uh, graphic novel, I have it digitally. I don't have a physical copy because I loved the universe and the comic. The art was amazing. It let visualize some of what was in the novels that I loved. But the story in the actual gra graphic novel, horrible. It was just like, it was just, there was no, there was no point to the whole story. That's the I weird mean, dichotomy with comic book fans is that that book will continue to be successful as long as the artwork is successful for a certain portion. So, and, and I hate to say that, but it is true. Because I'm one of the guys, I'm the visual guy. A, a, the story could be total, just, it could be a turd. But if the artwork is just on par, it's just top-notch every time, you will have me as a reader month to month. Now, on the flip side of the coin, there's comic books that I've continually purchased where the story was phenomenal, the artwork sucked, but I was more engaged with the story than I was the artwork. Well, I think you just picked up on the beautiful part about my favorite thing about comics is, is that there is no one thing that keeps people reading, right? Or there, but, but there could be. But if you have, like... And again, I'll reference the Fantastic Four by Ringo and Wade. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody who doesn't love one or the other or both, right, of those two creators. So to me, you've got the perfect storm. You've got a great set of characters. You've got a lot of great history. You've got a cool genre. You've got a, a really, whatever you think of Wade, you know, he's a great writer. And he's certainly prolific and accomplished, no matter what anybody's opinion is of him. And Ringo was one of the most amazing gentlemen and a phenomenal artist. So... You, you kind of put all that together. You could write a, a really crappy book, and, and I did, and uh, and have it controlled beautifully, <laughs> and it works. And everybody has a crappy book inside them. They don't all have a good book, but everybody's got a crappy one inside them. It's yeah, okay. Much writing first a book, three issues of Phantom Hawk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm writing a book every single month, too, I can't imagine that I'm always going to put out the same level of quality because at some point somebody hits. I, I hit a wall, right? Everyone has a scaling wall when they're writing, whether it's the end of the novel or you get writer's block halfway through the novel, the comic comics is no different, right? So you get to a point where you're just, 
And so you got to hand it off or you've got to have one hell of a good um, artist that's going to keep people entertained even when the writer flops it or vice versa. Well, and that's that's what I love about comics, too. It's it's an orchestra to make it work. You got so many moving parts. You got the writer, you got the the pencil. You, we'll just call it the art team. So you yeah. know your your penciler, anchor, and colorist. You have the letterer too. The lettering actually has a big role to play in in how the book looks. So without all those things coming together in you know perfect sync, you know just like a symphony, it, it's or an orchestra. It's the the music's not going to sound right. I agree. And one of the great things I love about comic books is that you got people that go into it for the stories and you have people that go into it for the artwork. And then you have that third tier that go in for both. Yeah. So it just multiplies the amount of reach that you can have. Good answer. Um, okay. Yeah. So if you, have you worked with existing properties like that existed beforehand? Like I mentioned David Weber and John Ringo, both their books turned into comics. So um, how do you go about doing that with the field? Do you worry about it or do you just send them like, Hey, look, this is what I think this world looks like. And yes, no, maybe so. I, I have, but not published. Um, and uh, I, the, my answer to the question is, is that you know, you've got to, as a writer, your ego has to kind of be subsumed a little bit because you've got to pull back someone else's, you're working with somebody else's creation. Um, and there, if there's an existing fan base, what well, we kind of talked about this earlier, right? If there's an existing fan base, you've got to justify putting it into a new medium and You've got to do that by maintaining a sense of what the character or characters or world or universe is, right? If you lose that, you lose everything. It, um, you guys, uh, you guys won't know this, but Rick, uh, Nick will remember this. I was going to call you Rick because like Ranger Nick and just kind of match it all together. So there's your bro. I'm Rick. That's your name, Rick. Um, or Rank. I don't know. Uh, the, <laughs> if you remember, I'll I'll allow. Uh, you know, you remember Heroes Were Born, right? And there was so much oh, flat. That was, and and that's such a... Uh, oh, Rob Liefeld's Captain America. <clears throat> Sorry. I can't do the oh, chest. Anyway. Uh, I Nobody can, can Doc, because it's anatomically impossible. Hold on. I might actually have that to show Doc, because she has no idea what we're talking about. Oh, my God, I do. Oh, God. Give me a and second. And now he's climbing like a squirrel. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Right. Someone's been doing squats. Let me find this. Uh, let me find this page while I'm talking. So, it's okay. Um, Keep doing squats. <laughs> I can do those too, but I did those. You've just been today. sexualized, Charlie, on a family uh, show. How dare you? I, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Working out is important. My wife does this all it's the true. time, and I can't figure out why we have all these kids. So, because <laughs> when I reach into the fridge, someone grabs my butt, and then next thing you know, boom! Nine months later, we have another child. That's how it happened. Your your school was interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, uh, to say the least. Well, I mean, it was Catholic school, but I'll take. What was the question? Um, <laughs> no, but but you know, if it, it, we go back to the heroes reborn thing, which no, you're talking about heroes reborn. Yeah. It, uh, then what happened there, guys? Is for those who don't know, is is um, basically the image comic creators, which arguably, you know, defined comics for the next two generations, really. Of readers, um, and still today, uh, got a chance to really almost rewrite 
existing heroes, Fantastic Four, Captain America, the Avengers, Iron Man. right? All the way down. And some of it was actually really good. And some of it was absolute not good. Um, okay, thank you. Thank you. I was trying to be nice. Um, no, I, that, I mean, they expect that from me, so... And, uh, and and so what happened is people rebelled because oh this is not the one damn it I thought I was in here um, people rebelled so why here here's where we're getting back to the question so it's because we they, they went too far in some ways with the characters they didn't go you know in some ways maybe they didn't go far enough and so it still felt like home and but somebody redecorated it. and it's like the hell man where's my bed um, and I've had that happen. <laughs> no, no, no. The weird analogy my mother converted my not. room while I was in basic training. Oh, that well, was that, a hint. that's normal. Um, no, it is not. I'm the girl. Oh, I guess that isn't normal. You're right. Uh, <laughs> no, so it is. My mother never really cared that I was the girl. So anyway, so I, I, I can't find the damn picture, but um, I'm sure somebody could throw it up on the web uh, or find it and put it up on the web because it's like the most hilariously mocked picture ever. Hold on. I'm um, going to bring it up real quick. There you go, brother. Um, so, yeah, I do think that you have to, when you're dealing with somebody else's property, you've got to set yourself aside enough to actually do it justice. You, you've you got to keep the existing, or at least enough of the existing fans. Look, look, hell, look what happened with Star Wars. It's a real immediate example right there of you've got fans who blew a gasket um, over the, the secondary trilogy and are I guess it would be the second trilogy, yeah. Um, who blew a gasket? The other fans who are kind of lukewarm on it, you know, others who loved it um, for different reasons. They were not typically the same people. I mean, they're 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 just they're different types. And I think the ones of us who grew up with it struggled a little bit. The ones who didn't grow up with it, there it is. Oh wow, those are man boobies. I love that. That was big. Um, was it Big Boss or Boss? Logic, the boss logic, right? That's the guys who did the uh, the Chris Evans edit there to make it match that. Oh, uh, yeah, it's oh yeah, Rob. Rob, if you're listening after 30 years in this industry, he's probably not, but I'm gonna send him a direct message because my friends over there on Instagram, I'm gonna show him this episode because I'm gonna we'll block you. He does that a lot too, but it's like anatomically, this wow. Wow. It's a mess. It, it, it is a mess. Um, and unfortunately, That's he's... Dramatic. If I saw somebody looking like that, they'd have to go to the doctor. Oh, absolutely. Because he's probably got a collapsed lung on his right side because uh, he's not asymmetrical. Or he is asymmetrical to a very grotesque... Anyway. Anyway, here's the image. All right. Um, so let's... Please get back. Let's, let us yeah. move on. Uh, so that now we we have that example. So normally we ask authors when we talk to people that write the, the books and the words, um, if their books were being translated into other mediums, RPGs, comics, games, etc. So this time we're going to ask the reverse. Have any of your independent intellectual properties, i.e. your comics, been novelized? Uh, no. Who wants to write it? All right. So now you know who to send your mail to when we list uh, the context in social media. Yeah. All right. So So you're interested, but it hasn't happened yet. Correct. Um, now, obviously, uh, just what I told you earlier with the WatchGuard, that's a that's a gaming supplement. So with me, you know, I, I think I use gaming as a nice way to build a, um, a, like a, I guess, a sub 
category of, uh, of fan base. Um, you know, some folks, I actually convert quite a bit of the gamers to comics and vice versa. I've had a lot of comics folks that, hey, I never played games before, but I checked this out and then I went and bought Mutant to Mastermind's uh, core rule book and now we're, we're playing every Such time. Such a good game. It's so fun, right? I haven't played in a long freaking time. But Last time I played was Walt like two years ago. Dude. Okay. I think the last time I played might have been on Walt's podcast, actually. Might have been the same day. Jesus. I, I doubt it. I wasn't that drunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, Nick. Oh. <laughs> Nick. Just step over the guest. I mean, whatever. It's, you know, like, how do we get people to come on this show? I don't know. We're only an hour in, and now we get to finally <laughs> talk to him about Spider Squirrel, which is why we invited him on. I mean, cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, well, I, I'm getting it. I really want to know. All right, so now for the reason why we drug you out of the comic book creator's dungeon, uh, we want to talk about this new comic world you're releasing to the public. Uh, can you tell us about it? Yeah. Um, so I want to know all the dirty deeds. All right, deeds, you ready? It's on Kickstarter right now. There we go. Um, yeah, so Spider Squirrel, we talked about it a little bit, kind of gave you guys a little glimpse of what's going on. Uh, we had so much freaking fun. So uh, several things we talked about kind of led up to this, so it's a perfect – Perfect set of questions. You guys are great. Um, it is on Kickstarter right now. It's Spider Squirrel number one. It's a uh, yeah, I list it as a, a buddy hero multiversal adventure. It's just it's fun. It's absurd. It's I don't explain everything to you like you're twelve. If you are twelve, you're still gonna love it. Uh, if you're under twelve, you probably ought to ask your mom. It is kind of a teen rated book because I think I, I dropped like you know a D word maybe or something like that. But um. Uh, it's it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. It is uh, doing it is blowing my mind how well people are responding to this. I'm very excited about that. Uh, the most important thing to me is that I, I spent two years building this series up, and I, it's not just this book, but I've got this issue is already completed, and issue two is already completed, and issue three is fully penciled and inked and partially colored, and we're finishing up colors and letters before this one should finish. Well. Definitely before the second one goes up on Kickstarter. So I am going to deliver Nick books at a pace that is more like a production house as an indie comic. But it's only three issues. So, to, to you know, I'm, I, I can't take all the credit. I, I built this up. I spent a lot of time funding this myself, getting to this point. But the art team, we, ha we all had a great time. You can skim through here. Phenomenal artists. I am trying to change the view of indie comics as well, not just uh try to make a name for myself in comics i want people to see as indie comics is a, a legit viable option not just a third option but an also right it, it's not just marvel and dc there are legit comics out here that are entertaining beautifully drawn um i do have some um, really high profile like my colorist on these pages you're scanning through now or as john rock he's uh he's actually working for dc right now he's a batwoman oh yeah he did Invincible. Uh, I don't know, thirty some odd issues of Invincible. Um, yeah. So John's a great dude and a phenomenal colorist. Uh, just a great artist. Period. So uh, Scott oh, McDaniel, go back on here and do some add-ons. <laughs> Scott McDaniel did a cover, and if anybody knows uh, comics, you know Scott is uh, is known for his uh, Daredevil and Nightwing books. Uh, two of my influences for this one, um, at least in the acrobatics visual side, but. Uh, uh, I had to ask Scott. I, I don't remember if he was before or after Ron Garney. 
on the Daredevil stint. Uh, he's way before Ron. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. If I look at a long box, I'm pretty sure I got his his stuff in there. Huge, obviously huge Daredevil. Yeah, I've got it up there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, his stuff's great. Um, in fact, even when I write some of the page the panels, I wrote, told the artist, "Hey, I want to see these like McDaniel esque shadows of him bouncing around." You know, and they know what I'm talking about. So. Oh yeah, it's his um, trademark. So. So that's, I mean, that's it. It is three issues. Um, this one obviously is um, funded. Um, it was uh, funded in five days, which is outstanding. You guys are out, you're amazing. Now I'm struggling to come up with more stretch goals to keep it going, but uh, uh, it's a good problem to have. Uh, we will, I'll get this out to you guys as soon as I can. We're going to get it printed and, and out in everybody's hands. And we're going to get issue two up there and then issue three subsequently. But it's, but wait, there's more. Um, this isn't going to end with these three issues. I do have two other mini series being written by uh, other art uh, writers, so I'm letting somebody play in my sandbox. Wow, that sounds. I could go. I'll stop right there. And <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. So I have two other mini series being written by um, other artists already published, either in the indie space or uh, or in the big two. We'll keep using that phrase. Uh, and then I have a series of one shots that I'll enter, you know, kind of stitch in where the publication dates work for me. And then I'm also working on a spider squirrel annual, which is really just going to be an oversized, you know, uh, almost anthological spider squirrel book. You know, I'll deal with him. I'll deal with his relationships. I'll do a day in the life. I'll do, I'll have an entire trash panda story just because everybody loves trash panda. We're just going to have fun. Um, everybody loves spinoffs. They do. Yep. I got cosmic. I've got uh, you know. I've got down street level stuff. We're gonna do. Dan Faust is gonna do a street level uh, Punisher style book for us. A um, little bit more noir and a little bit more not brutal like Punisher, but uh, you know, just down to earth that kind of thing. So, a lot of fun. We're gonna cover it all. Really cool stuff. I love it. So do you, um, do, you do you intend at some point to write your own like anthology of short stories? I've seen some comics that did that. Some of the indie ones where they Theology of short stories, you know, by people involved in the project. Uh, oh, other people. Yeah. So I actually am planning on writing up the bulk of the annual, but I am going to invite other writers to come in and write uh, a bunch of stories to just, you know, some. Oh, wait, I already did that, actually. So <laughs> I didn't. I uh, Thanks. Good. You're a good straight man, JR. Um, uh, I didn't get into one of the you asked earlier, what's one of the weird defining special? What makes people want to buy my book? I didn't just write this. And I, you know, and my one art team didn't just do this. I actually involved several other individuals, creators from the indie comics community. So, without giving away the shtick, um, and I only use that word because it's in our chat, but um, I, without giving away the the, the thing uh, that really makes this book a lot of fun, Spider Squirrel gets to meet up with a bunch of characters from other indie comics universes. So I had other creators write him with their characters and or their places and their villains and whatever, and let him interact with them from four to eight pages, whatever we agreed upon. And their art team actually is going to produce the, that part of the book. So it's like he visits their world, if you will. Um, so, my <laughs> God, I suck. I'm the worst interviewer ever. But uh, No, you're awesome, dude. Keep uh, going. Uh, but it, I should have said that earlier. But that's one of those cool things that I think that just really sets this book apart is um, we get to have fun. The multiverse lets me do whatever I want. And because I'm the multiverse is a made-up thing, then I can take it even further. 
so I'm doing just that. And um, I think it's great that, um, you know, I get a chance to do this. And I'm really thankful for all of the writers and art teams that jumped in on this. Everyone seemed to have a blast. Um, you know, it's just, it's really fun. So it will be a little jarring for some people if you expect to see the same art style all the way through. But I think we wrote it well enough that the interstitials kind of pop in and you go, oh, I'm obviously not in the main story. So uh, I think it'll be pretty obvious for most people. Okay. So do you have any other questions about the bromance of the comic book world to, to throw in there, Nick? Yeah, I do. Because you took out my favorite question that we ask all these novelists who have no connection to the art team that does the covers for their books. So, yeah, I'm going to throw that at you right now, JR Hanley, looking at you. All right. Well, so the, the reason I did that was because, like, with the book cover, it's obvious it's out there. It's a thing, right? With comics, I'm never sure like how much we could share without like violating any potential publishing. Because with Amazon, you can only share so much before you get copyright strike when you're published with them. I didn't want to make anybody mad and violate IP, so I was just like, I'm gonna let the guest show what he wants to show. Wake your happy yeah, butt up. I love you. Hush. Nick looks like Hush your mouth. a six-year-old right mouth. now. Hush your mouth. Hush your mouth. I got this. All right. Okay. So. It's a two-part question. Who came up with the concept design for Spider Squirrel's look? Oh, great question. Um, so the base concept was was me. Um, I've designed most of my characters throughout my life, and it's something I really enjoy doing. I, I have a, I, I like the aesthetic for me. It, it works because I can visualize a lot of things. But with Spider Squirrel, I did step into. Um, uh, a partnership with uh, Ray Anthony Height, who uh, has done books for Marvel. He's done books all over the place. He's got, uh, oh gosh, is it Sky Tiger Studio? Holy crap. I'm pretty sure that's the new name of it. I can't believe I forgot it now. Brain fart on the on the fly here. But um, but Ray's coming out with his own stuff. He has Midnight Tiger, which is an indie comic. Midnight Tiger is an amazing book. Right? Uh, I love Ray. He's also, for as amazing as the book is, I think Ray's a thousand times greater. He's such a great dude, humble guy, family man. I love the guy and a great artist. So. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, and I follow him on, like, every social platform that he's on. <laughs> he just got back on Facebook. but uh, I, I know. I, I was I was excited because I, I thought maybe something had happened to him. Nah, he's all good. But he took a uh, break. Really but he was still pretty active on IG, which was good. Yeah, yeah. So Ray, Ray did the the bulk of the design work. I, you know what? Um, let me see if I can. I might even be able to share that with you guys. How about that? The original. Do. I love character I love sheet. Work. Um, so give me a sec. I'll share my screen as soon as I pull it up. I don't want to like be digging through here and be like, what the heck were we looking at? Nard dog, you're such an idiot. All right, let's see, spider. So yeah, Ray came up with the with uh, what, what became damn close to being the final design, and then I got into um, some tweaks and did the rest myself. The logo is mine. Um, that was I had to give a little tip of the hat to my fellow collaborator um, uh, Vito Del Sante. Uh, when I first drew it up there, Vito says, "You know, you need to take that tail and turn it vertical." And then I was like, oh, "No, it looks like an S." And he's like. Yes, idiot. Um, no, he didn't. <laughs> uh, but he should have said that. He didn't say it, but he really should have said that. Um, and uh, and that's oh, there it is. Character design. Do, 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 do. I know squirrel girl. Is that why squirrel girl's tail is always vertical? I don't have a clue. That's a really good question. I don't pay attention to her because I've not she really. Is the 
she's just the worst. I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't want to judge. I don't even know who created her, but it, she's just, I don't know. Uh, I don't they, know. They, I know it was in a They Marvel took a B-list character from the Marvel up. Universe and OP'd the hell out of her. They did, yeah. They did it during that Marvel Strike Force, the video game, and uh, thankfully she's actually not as OP anymore. Here, I'll share the share my screen real quick. Yeah, yeah let's see that. I tried reading a comic. Apparently I picked the wrong one. Okay. Oh. So yeah, so, I'm gonna burn through some iterations here, and you're gonna be like, "Dude!" Um, but Ray kept throwing stuff at me, and I was like, "Oh, I love that! I love that! I love that! Oh, I don't like that! I love that!" And so you can and see it, the symbol. Yeah, that's when I threw that on there. Um, it just it just evolved um, gradually. Well, I, to, to be honest, I th I think that change from like a squirrel and a spider web to the to the tail. I, I think that's what makes or breaks your character right there as far as yeah. concept design. I want an icon. That, yeah. I, I figured that it, is an iconic, iconic look at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And there's actually, I'll show you something really cool. Um, I, most people don't notice it. Um, my that's wife good. was actually the first person that noticed it. Um, and I was so proud of her because she, the only comics she ever read were David Mack comics, Kabuki. She loved Kabuki. Um, by the way, that's a book that, Doc might really enjoy because it's a lot more of a um, it's artistic, it's poetic, it's a lot more, yeah, here's the sideways hey, idiot. <laughs> um, and then Vito said turn it, and that's when we got the iconic. Wow. But here's something I'll show you that uh, I don't know if it's really obvious all the time. There's a little little animated feet here. So it's like the yeah. scroll is running off the page. Uh, or, right. Uh, yeah, so anyway. Okay, people are like, who cares? Well, you know. I no, I care. And no, most people care what I care about, I guess. I don't know. I, no, I have like two fans, but they watch religiously. <laughs> so I just thought, you know, it was really cute. It just kind of gave the sense of motion. It had everything about it. It's got the S for spider swirl. And oh, it's got the spider the spider web, the swirl tail. I mean, everything's there. And so for me, it was just like, the, I, actually, I'm getting that ink on my shoulder uh, with my 16-year-old daughter in, in, in August. So for my birthday. Oh, that's awesome. Daddy you join the club of having your own artwork tattooed on your body. There you go. Your own characters, yeah. That's awesome. All right, so I, I have a the second part to my question. You have some awesome covers here on your on your Kickstarter. Thank you. You have stuff by Oliver, uh, Francesco. I mean, just like huh? you have some just amazing alt covers here. What led you to choose? If and I'm pretty sure it was your choice since you created the character for the standard cover. Oh, so if I actually went back into my Dropbox and showed you, you'll find out that the standard cover was actually the one that ended up becoming the, the, the dates of future past, the back to the future Two kind of a uh, homage. That yeah. was the original first cover. Cause when DC did that, uh, we were joking around. He said, Hey, I guess we got to do DC Stoltner's the uh, Stoltner's the um, interior artist for the main story. Uh, except for issue three, which we had a, a scheduling conflict. And so Ariel Medell picked up issue three for me. Um, but DC and I were talking and I was like, dude, we got to do something fun. And he's like, this character is just like, it's just wild. It's a, it's a, it's a blast. Like we got to, and I had the title dates of future past. Cause there's some, you know, again, he's going to go out looking for a girlfriend. So uh, playing on the whole, you know, playing on the whole days of future past, you know, uh, theme and everything. And, and he says, Hey, what about a back to the future homage is like, Oh, sure. When he spit it out, I was uh, the art out. I was like, "Holy biscuits!" 
that's it. So that was the original cover. That was the add-on that I that I chose when I when I backed the book. I freaking love that cover, and it almost became the the standard cover. The only reason I went with Oliver's, because um, to me they're all equal for different reasons. Like there's a lot of for me there's a lot of heart uh, or emotion in each one of these. Um, that uh, I went with Oliver's cover because that was the picture that became it was like the icon of the character for my social media for a long time, the last couple of years. So that picture showed up as my Facebook cover profile, as my, um, as my actual profile, my personal page, it was my IG profile for a while. So it, to me, I said, you know what, that's the, that's the picture of spider squirrel. The rest of this stuff tells a different story or different aspect of it. So. No, Oliver's cover is solid. I mean, oh my God, it's beautiful, from, an, right? from an artistic standpoint, not just the, the, the central character in the foreground, but the complexity of the buildings in the background too. It's very, very Todd McFarlane um, as far as the detail level and Oliver should be very proud of that cover. I and and the colors would work good too. I mean, John did an, an amazing job on that. Yeah. No, I totally can't wait to put it on my, uh, well, it's not a spinner rack, but my rack that I have here for all my indie comics. Nice rack. Thank you. Sorry. I did just, Damn. It was $52, and as far as rack jobs are concerned, you can't get any cheaper for the quality of work. I work in IT, by the way. That's a, like a common joke. We're like, oh, hey, nice rack. Nice rack. Oh, like when I was in Iraq, and every time we saw a donkey, hey, that's a nice ass. <laughs> and that joke oh, never got old. 45 no. going on 12. That's what I am. All right, Nick, it's time for you to bring us home. All right, sir. Here we go. All right. So... Well, you already told us about any? things that you're coming up. We're scratching okay. 25, yeah? Sure. You just decided. <laughs> I, Awkward pause. You know how bad we are in a situation where I'm the adult and I make decisions? That's horrible. All right. So I want to give you about 30 seconds to plug your Kickstarter, which we've been doing throughout the whole show. And I want to make sure that you hit the $10,000 mark. I want you to be well over 200% funded. Because it, it's a quality book. The artwork is solid. You're an awesome dude. I want this to happen. So plug yourself. So you want a fun comic that just goes through all of the common superhero tropes, whether it's uh, you know inexplicable villains doing things, smashing through things, robbing banks, uh, whatever, right? You name a comic book trope, it's probably in this book. If it's not in the first issue, it's in the second or third issue. So stick around for the ride. Uh, but it's a buddy hero uh, multiversal adventure in the vein of something that maybe Grant Morrison were right, but with a lot less seriousness about it. Uh, if you took a Blue Beetle and Booster Gold adventure and threw it into the multiverse, there's your book. Um, and uh, by the way, Trash Panda. I'm like, who doesn't love Trash Panda? So he's such a fun character. So there you go. That's uh, nope. there, There's your probably 25 second. And, and dear listeners, um, I, I back this book. I have a lot of faith in this book. Um, the artwork is phenomenal. He posted what nine pages, nine pages of the interior art. Uh, I don't looks amazing. Bunch of add-ons, everything you could possibly want for a Kickstarter experience. It's there. I back it down. I give it a 10 out of 10. And then I don't know, maybe later on we'll do a review once I get into my, my cold dead hands here, which would be awesome. Uh, maybe bring you back on, which would be sweet. And we, I can, if it sucks, I can just totally just berate you on camera. No, I'm Wait. just kidding. No, I would no. never do that. 
Maybe. So, okay. so if, if we do a panel on comic creation, now we've got Nick and we can bring you back as well. And um, so, so we've got that. We're going to share that in the, the link to the Kickstarter in the show notes. And Nick is such a believer. He said we had to air two episodes tomorrow just so there's time for this to get around before your Kickstarter closes. You can send my one. hate mail to CiscoForTacos at gmail.com. <laughs> okay. So on that happy note. No, was that uh, not okay. an email? Because you sent it to me. I wrote it down right here. It's right here. Very, very much. While Nick's going to go figure out what's going through his head, can you tell us if, in case you have other comics out that they're like, okay, I, I get it. I don't want to wait, though, for the Kickstarter, where other work that you have done can be purchased. Yeah, uh, WatchGuard is available on Comixology as well, which is now by Amazon. Um, it's also available on DriveThruRPG.com, uh, or DriveThruComics, sorry, .com, which is affiliate. Um, or sister site. Um, it's also I'm trying to think what else. Where else is available? Oh, an indie planet. Um, but it's actually cheaper if you get it as an add-on on my uh, Kickstarter. So, <laughs> uh, so go add that uh, onto here. Also, the Watchguard Sourcebook. Um, it is also an add-on for the Kickstarter. But if you'd rather just go ahead and buy it on Amazon or Kindle, uh, it is available there. The um, the Watchguard Sourcebook does not contain Spider Squirrel. There's your there's your caveat. So he, he shows up as a, as a digital separate um, uh, add-on later. So uh, this book was published seven years ago. So it's got, again, a good swath of my characters in my universe kind of right there. And we'll build off of what's in here in Spider-Squirrel and subsequent spinoffs. Okay. And um, can you tell us, the listeners, the viewers, how they can find you on the Wild Wild Interwebs? Sure. Uh, you can follow me a couple different ways. If you care more about me as an athlete, I don't update this page very much, but you can look for Spider the Charlie McKelvey, the Spider Squirrel Ninja on Facebook. Uh, otherwise, you can follow the best way to follow is go to facebook.com slash Zion with an X, X-I-O-N Studios. And um, I tend to cross post from my WatchGuard Facebook page, Spider Squirrel, and various other properties uh, who may or may not have their own independent Facebook pages. Uh, I do tend to interact on the Spider Squirrel one mostly as Spider Squirrel. So if I say something really stupid or uh, or wildly offensive, it's it's him talking, not me. So <laughs> that's a good uh, good defense. So you can follow us on our website at www.monel anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. I forgot that you don't have to put the www in front of everything anymore. Uh, anchor.fm <laughs> backslash blasters tech and tech blades on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Send the hate mail to Siska at gmail uh, blasters and blades podcast.com. Uh, our Blasters and Blades face group, Facebook group where all the shenanigans happen and inappropriate memes are shared. It's uh, facebook.com backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. You can support the show over on Anchor FM, uh, much like you can on a Patreon type site where you can pledge monthly. You can do a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. But for the podcast in the show notes, so I know to distribute the funds to our my intrepid co-hosts so we can keep them properly lubricated and intoxicated while I'm your sober driver. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right, Doc. Bring us home. JR is Uber. 
<laughs> Thank you. <so> <laughs> this time with us for, <sighs> for the finally free Nick Garber, J.R. Handley, who's tortured, and our most most athletic guest ever. I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time. We'll indulge our love of torturing JR, nerd culture, cheesy jokes, things that go boom in ADHD. And making Walt mad. Oh, yeah. Love you, Grandpa. Love you, Walt. Love you, Walt. Good luck at